Welcome to Storytime with Jayashree. Let's continue Sooth by Sarah Weeks. Chapter 10. More than a clock loves to tick. The sun was shining brightly the next morning when I woke up, but the weather didn't match my dark mood. All night long, I tossed and turned, thinking about the photograph. How could my mother have told me that story about Heidi passing her luck along when she knew that wasn't true? Luck had nothing to do with my being born. Heidi was the child she'd been waiting for all her life, not me. I propped myself up on my elbows and stared out the window. The trees were quiet now, having passed their message along. Doc wasn't getting rained on wherever he was, so at least there was that to be grateful for. I glanced at the clock. It was 7.30. Hopefully, someone would be answering at the animal shelter in Rock Hill. We'd had Doug microchipped when he got him, but the phone number on his collar was the landline at her house, and who knew if the answering machine was even working anymore? The nearest room is in the living room. When I got there, I found my mother and Julie sitting on the couch together. Julie was knitting, and my mother was working on a baby quilt for Heidi, which she must have brought back with her from the house. I felt a flash of anger. No wonder she'd saved the curtains from the room where Heidi had slept. Everything that had anything to do with her was special. Good morning, Aurora, my mother said. Did you sleep well, sweetie? Why do you care? I muttered. Then I headed for the kitchen, where I knew there was another phone. I got the number for the shelter from information, but nobody picked up, so I couldn't even leave a message. Having slept through dinner, I was starved. I poured myself a big bowl of cereal, Lucky Charms this time, and carried it back to my room. The air mattress must have had a slow leak because it looked like an ice cream sandwich that had been left out in the sun. I ate the cereal standing up, taking a certain amount of pleasure and knowing that my mother would disapprove. We didn't have junk like Fruit Loops or Lucky Charms at our house. Instead, my mother would make granola from scratch, chopping up all kinds of nuts and dried fruit and mixing them together in a big bowl of rolled oats, along with some coconut oil and honey. I scooped up the last bite of cereal and drank the sugary pink milk from the bottom of the bowl. There, I thought. There was a knock on the door. Leave me alone, I grumbled. It's Julie, hun. I need to get some yarn. Sorry about that, I said, hurrying to open the door for her. I thought you were somebody else. Oh my goodness, she said when she saw the deflated air mattress. We can't have you sleeping on that. I'll have Scott patched up as soon as he gets home. She paused for a second and looked around the room. Did you reorganize these shelves or something? Everything looks so tidy. I hope you don't mind, I told her. I evened things up a little and switched out some of the tops, so there would be the same number of each color on every shelf. Well, bless your heart, said Julie. I watched while she dug around in one of the bins until she found what she was after, a ball of bright red yarn and another one of white. 
I thought I'd make you guys some new Christmas stockings, she explained. Your mom told me the holiday stuff was up in the attic. What a shame to lose all of those memories. I'd been so busy thinking about Duck, I hadn't thought what else we might have lost in the fire. Christmas was a big deal in our family. On the first Saturday of December, my father and I would get in the truck and drive over to Krasner's farm. Once we'd found the perfect tree, my father would kneel down beside it and drag the saw over the trunk a few times, like a violinist drawing his bow across the strings. Once the saw blade bit into the bark and took hold, I'd grab onto the other end and we'd find our rhythm pushing and pulling back and forth until finally the tree gave up and fell back onto the snow like a fainting woman in a big green ball gown. We threw our prize in the back of the truck along with the balsam wreath for the front door and drive home to my mother who would be waiting with hot chocolate and gingerbread cookies. My mother was pretty crafty all year round, but she really outdid herself at Christmas. Every year, she'd make a new kind of ornament. There were flocks of crocheted birds, perched on cinnamon sticks, and delicate wreaths of eucalyptus leaves, each one carefully tied with a red ribbon. One year, she saved the wishbones from every chicken we ate, lining them up on the kitchen windowsill to dry. After she'd painted them silver, she glued little glass beads to the top of each one for the hooks to go through. Those are my favorites. Hanging from the tips of the branches, they caught the light, glimmering like little wishes waiting to be made. Unlike my mother, I was not crafty at all. For one thing, I hated getting my fingers sticky. I was also not fond of glitter. But each year at school, we made ornaments in art class. And my mother had saved every single one. There were cut paper snowflakes, a giant pine cone half-heartedly dusted with green glitter, several snowmen made out of pipe cleaners, and a lopsided popsicle stick ranger that had ended up in pieces after the fire. Julie was staring at me. Are you okay, hon? She asked. You look like you're a million miles away. Sorry, I said. I was just thinking. Julie started to leave, but then she hesitated. I know it's none of my business, she said, but your mother's really hurting right now. She's been crying all morning. I think it would help if you could sit down and talk to her. I felt another spark of irritation, this one even hotter. Did she tell you she thinks I set the house on fire? I asked. Julie looked uncomfortable. She overreacted. She doesn't believe that anymore, Aurora. You have to understand she was upset when she found the lighter. You know how she worries. Believe it or not, it was even worse when you were a baby. Your mother recorded every sneeze and burp in that journal of hers. Julie wasn't exaggerating. I discovered the journal on a shelf in the living room one day. It was a small square book with a weathered blue cover and a thin satin ribbon sewn into the spine to use as a placeholder. Baby's first year was embossed on the cover in gold. The first few pages were filled with details about the day I was born, 
including a tiny plastic wristband from the hospital with baby girl Franklin printed on it. There was a list of names my parents had considered before Heidi had suggested they call me Aurora. Next came a long list of milestones, each with two dates written beside it. One when I had done it, and one when I was supposed to have done it, according to one of the many baby books she'd kept stacked beside the bed. I had not been an easy baby. Because I had colic, my mother spent most of her time worrying about what went in one end of me and what came out on the other. My father wasn't much help, not because he didn't care, but because he wasn't around. This left my mother alone with a fuzzy baby and no one there to tell her not to fret. Ironically, most of the wording she did had taken place in a big oak rocking chair, which still sat in a corner of our living room. She rocked and read and poured her heart out onto the pages of her journal, which carried her like a weathered blue boat through the rough seas of her baby's first year. Julie left with her yarn. Hey, I called after her. Do you know where my dad is? I wanted to ask him if he'd heard anything from the shelter in Rock Hill. He's at work, hon, Julie said. Left about an hour ago. Great. What is I supposed to do now? Hang around the house all day trying to avoid my mother? Something occurred to me. Why is he working on a Sunday? I asked. Julie gave me a funny look. Today is Monday, hon. Monday? I looked at the clock. It's just at 7.30. I hadn't noticed the cord dangling off the side of the table, unplugged. What time is it for real, I asked. Julie looked at her watch. Half past nine, she said. So much for my perfect attendance record. I was late for school. Thank you for listening. Bye, until next episode.